Hey, it's Jill, and this is Quality Street. An update on the pub, some things to read, and some thoughts on the stack. This week's piece is going to be a bit different, I've decided. Not because I'm listening to advice from certain gurus to write less and smile more, but because I'm neck deep in a fairly involved application form for government match funding for our community pub purchase. I shit you not, I've written postgraduate theses that were less complex, and I don't have time to finish editing a long essay I'm working on about the things we leave behind and the dangers of rationalism-induced paralysis, inspired by this great old piece of Mills Baker that I read this week. There's a link in the piece. So if you missed the news about my village trying to buy our local pub, you can read about that, and there's links in the piece. I've no other updates from the pub, apart from that apparently a couple of chefs are interested in buying it and turning it into a gastro pub. We, the community bid folks, are meeting them next week, a meeting as monumental in our sphere as Chamberlain at Munich, and hope to avoid a bidding war. I will keep you updated as this story develops. What I want to share this week is that I, like many other substackers, I suspect, have been buoyed up by the recent news this summer from our glorious leaders that Substack intends to champion quality writing. This is welcome news, because frankly, I had my doubts. You may have picked this up from some recent notes I've posted about curated stacks and content strategists getting hefty plugs from Substack, and the weekly For Me digests. And then, by glorious coincidence, Just as this piece was going to press, Substack launched the new app. I am really looking forward to seeing how the new app showcases quality writing, because, newsflash, I love to read. And I like to read quality writing, not crap. It made me wonder how I would define quality, and that in turn led me to consider what I'm reading and enjoying, because that, for me, is a mark of quality. I'm my own arbiter of what I consider to be quality, as is everyone. I've always loved to read. Duh. Fucking duh. I have most books I've ever read, plus a hefty chunk of anti-library, hat tip to Mark Dykeman and his piece on the necessity of owning books you haven't read yet. I am, and probably always will be, a reader first, and a writer second. The first is, for me, an essential prerequisite to the second. Self-proclaimed writers who say they aren't really readers? I don't understand. That's like a chef with no taste buds. Like a sculptor with no clay. Approach with a healthy degree of caution. My books, most of which I've had for years, provide me endless comfort and joy. They are as tangible a representation of my brain as I can imagine. At the moment, I'm needling Joel to let me install floor-to-ceiling bookshelves in our bedroom to accommodate these piles bedside and several more boxes in the closet. There's a picture of my current bedside piles. They're fairly extensive. I always have one book I'm finishing and one that I'm starting. And there's a picture the one I've just finished reading, is Buried by Professor Alice Roberts, an alternative history of the first millennium in Britain, 
And the one that's next up that I've just started is Maggie O'Farrell's The Marriage Portrait, which is brilliant so far. Anyway, I also can't resist placing an almost weekly order with World of Books for more pre-loved goodies. And there's a picture of my latest haul. We've got The Way We Never Were by Stephanie Kuntz, Mother Well by Deborah Orr, All the Beauty in the World by Patrick Bringley, The Book of Trespass by Nick Hayes, and Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. What's interesting, though, is that Substack is fast becoming the source of inspiration for my book reading. The Book of Trespass, that was a recommendation from Andrew Eberlin. A Grief Observed by C.S. Lewis, that came to me courtesy of a recent piece by Joel J. Miller. The Way We Never Were was from a mention by Anne Helen Peterson in her recent piece on Tradwife Nonsense. Breakfast at Tiffany's, recommended by Christopher Gage, is in my next World of Books order. Northwoods by Daniel Mason has also joined my hit list, thanks to Katie Clapham's book club pick. It looks to be right up my alley, that's Quality Street, and is endorsed by no less than Maggie O'Farrell, who, if she told me to drink bleach, would at least inspire me to consider it. I rely on people I trust for recommendations. Motherwell by Deborah Orr above was a wreck from the same friend who hated the Gia Tolentino book. Lessons in Chemistry, that was a wreck from another friend who's one of the smartest people I know. Recommendation from a trusted advisor, that is my most important gatekeeper of quality. Trust is key. If you share a link and I discover it isn't great, this will erode trust and I will stop clicking on links you share. If I do trust you, I will always click on the links you share. It's as simple as that. I'm not shy about putting aside something I'm not enjoying. Life's too short. Anyway, in the interest of keeping this brief and getting to the point, I intend to make good on my promise of not offering you any bullshit or bigging anything up because I feel obligated or because there's anything in it for me. I certainly don't intend to engage with any Ponzi-style subscribe to me and I'll plug you schemes. And there's a link if you're wondering what I'm talking about. I want you to know that if I recommend something on notes or elsewhere, it's because I genuinely thought it was good. And that's it. As I've written before, I write what I like to read. If I say I like your writing, you can rest assured, I really do. You don't need to wonder if it's because someone paid me, or I got told it's important to be kind, or because I've got my eye on getting you to like my stack, follow, and subscribe. That is my solemn substack vow. And this is crucial. If I like your writing, I want more of it, not less. I am all in on Substack's mission to cultivate a new culture of trust, authenticity, and motherfucking quality. I want more of it. So, in the interest of putting my money where my mouth is, I've paid to subscribe to some stacks I really enjoy. Because they are quality. Because I enjoy reading them, and because nothing good should come for free. If I want quality, I expect to pay for it. And at some point in the future, if you want to continue to receive quality writing from me, I'm afraid you're going to have to pay for it too. That's the economy we've chosen. My time and my words have value.
So without further ado, here are six substacks that I think are super high quality writing that I enjoy reading and that I willingly pay for or have pledged support where they don't offer paid subscriptions yet. While some of these are already well known in the Stackiverse, I'm hoping very much that the new app helps me to discover more. If quality is a street, I'm happy to pay the toll. And my six pay subscribe stacks are Numb at the Lodge by Sam Chris, Letters from Suzanne by Suzanne Moore, Bad Reads by Lauren. Don't know how to pronounce this name, so I'm really sorry, Lauren, but Lauren Hoff. Let's go with that. Oxford Sour by Christopher Gage. The Lunar Dispatch by Will Dowd, and Culture Study by Anne Helen Peterson. So the footnotes, I'm going to read them out because I think they're important. Incidentally, the backlash against crap content and vacant writing is the literary equivalent of the inshittification that's threatening my village pub. It's a feature of a hollow, private equitized world. Washed Memoir in Real Time has a lot more to say about this and has cracked a way you can support the pub. Because after all, what is a pub if not a real-world substack? A place where we can all convene, expostulate, hypothesize, and create. Check out his latest piece. And my collection of books excludes books that I've borrowed from someone else, loaned to a pal and never got back, or left on a hostel bookshelf in Chengdu. And a few boxes in storage in New York that I'll recover one of these days. I only ever get rid of books that I've read, tried to read, and really didn't enjoy, and don't foresee ever coming back to. And the only one I can think of in this bucket recently is Gia Tolentino's Trick Mirror, which I tried really hard to like because hype, but which I found to be generic and not even a little revelatory. Oh well. Amusingly, the friend I took it from was also getting rid of it because she found it unreadable. And having said all of this, I still mourn the loss of my complete collection of the Babysitter's Club books from the early 90s that my mom made me get rid of when we moved to Ireland when I was 12. So perhaps I'm not as reliable an arbiter of quality as I think. <laughs>